no matter what kind of an addiction you have, it can change. The direction or the source from which you are trying to gain approval can change. I want you to notice this verse in the New Testament, Galatians 1.10. Am I now seeking the approval of man? If you are so consumed with getting the approval of another human being, you will never feel safe. You'll never feel secure. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Last week, we started a new series called Approval Addict. And if you were with us last week, we asked some very practical questions to help us be more concerned about the approval of God instead of the approval of others. This week, we'll dive into part two of the message, Hooked on Approval. So how do you know if you're an approval addict? Well, here's Pastor Trent with some questions that we can ask ourselves to find out. Let me just kind of diagnose you. Can you just step into the doctor's office here for a minute? Just eight diagnostic questions to see if anybody here is an addict. Here's the first one. Do you lay awake at night thinking of how to get a person to like you, to think well of you, to notice you, or to reward you? I mean, in the quiet moments, the stuff that fills your head is that man or that woman or that mother-in-law or that daughter-in-law or that potential boyfriend or potential girlfriend at school or, or that teacher or maybe even someone who has disapproved of you, that coach that thinks you are not fast enough or you are not strong enough and you're thinking, well, how can I impress them? How can I get them to approve of who I am. Does that stuff fill your head? You might be an approval addict. Here's another. Is your happiness or contentment dependent upon the approval of somebody else? You can't be happy if you are unnoticed and unrecognized. You're codependent upon someone else doing something to make you happy, namely giving you their approval. Do you feel valued or significant even when others don't recognize your incredible performance or your outstanding achievements? I mean, you got skills. You got looks. You got smarts. It's just that all the idiots in the people haven't noticed. And that bothers you and it bugs you and it makes you want to drive for more achievement and more accomplishment because you can't live without the approval of another. Here's another one. Do you experience pain or love hunger when the approval that was once given is now withdrawn or missing in your life? This person used to talk to me. This person used to to call me. They used to text me. They used to send me gifts. They used to come and hang out with me. They used to want to go places, and now they're not doing that anymore. And, and, and you're confused. You're, you're upset. You're, you're, that's a hurtful situation for you. That's what an addiction to approval will do. Do you feel inferiority, insecurity, depression, or even suicidal thoughts over the loss of someone's approval. You feel, you just feel unworthy. Just, just feel like low, insignificant. 
piece of humanity that no one would give you their time or their attention or their approval? Are you jealous when the approval that you once had, you no longer have, and it's now given to someone else? This happens a lot of times when you get older. You're not near as strong, not near as good looking as you once were or the people that are now coming up under you. And now people are starting to recognize and approve of people that are younger than you. It could be that that's revealing an addiction to approval in your life. Are your thoughts consumed with others? Do you give too much space in your head to another person? There was, there was a particular time I was really wrestling. It was actually in the early days of our church. and There was somebody that I just desperately longed for them to approve of who I was as a pastor, and I really wasn't getting a whole lot of it, and I just couldn't get this person off my mind. And I went to a person, I was just like, I'm struggling with this, what do I do? And I just went on and on and on and on and on about how I couldn't get approval from this person no matter how I tried. And I remember my friend looked at me and said, why are you allowing that person to live inside your head rent-free? It's like, that's a great way to put it. I can't evict this person. They've taken up occupancy in space that doesn't belong to them. I need to kick them out of my thoughts. Are you, um, here, here's the worst one. Here's the reason for the whole series. Are you willing to forfeit the approval of God to gain the approval of others? Now we're on it. That's the reason for this series. Some of us are not and cannot obey God because you are so consumed with the approval and the attention and the acceptance of other people. So we're going on a recovery project for approval addicts. And here's what we want to see. Back in the, the scripture here, Proverbs 29, 25, I want you to notice four words here in this passage. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So we're going to look at the word fear, snare, trust, and safe. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. By the way, do you like this message? Are you sure? Okay, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm in recovery. All right. Here, here's the thing. Approval addicts fear exposure or rejection. So let's break those up. An approval addict has a fear. So what is this fear? Fury is a panic that causes irrational behavior. All right. So this Thursday, our youth group here at Harvest, we, we took like 70 kids to Cedar Point. I'd never been to Cedar Point. And we actually took all of our family as well. And it was a great time and just roller coasters all day long. And there's a, there's a, a sound that you hear on a roller coaster, every roller coaster. It's sounds of screams, screams of terror. And, and in line waiting to get on the roller coaster, you hear people actually talking about dying. I mean, I love these roller coasters. I, I do not understand the irrational fear of people riding roller coasters. Now, there was this other thing there that's kind of like this pendulum rotating throw-up machine, and I had a little fear of that thing. But a roller coaster is different, okay? And I do not understand the screams on a roller coaster. And what's amazing to me is some of the same people that were screaming their face off on the roller coaster were sound asleep 
in the car on the way home on I-80 while my 18-year-old son was driving the vehicle. They do not understand. They are in much greater danger with my son driving on I-80 than they ever were on that roller coaster. So fear causes us to think irrational thoughts, things that don't make any sense. So, so this, this approval addict has a fear that will turn him into an extreme extrovert. Now, there's nothing wrong with being extroverted or introverted unless your extrovert personality is fueled by a fear of man. This is the way it works. An extreme extrovert thinks, I can't live without approval. I'm hooked on approval. So I've got to do, I, I will do anything to get approval. And so you know what he does? He ends up overworking. He ends up overspending. And he ends up over-talking. Do you know people like this? Don't think of names. Think of you, okay? So do you, are you a workaholic? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to think about I'm lazy. You're the first one to show up. You're the last one to leave. You, you outwork everybody else. But why are you doing that? Is it because you want people to think well of you? Is that it? Or maybe you overspend. I mean, you can't buy just clothes, you got to buy the clothes. You can't just drive a car, you got to drive the car. Why? Because you're desperately longing for someone to approve of you because of what you wear or what you drive. Or you're, you're overly talkative. You ever met somebody overly talkative? <laughs> you're kind of listening to one right now, aren't you? And um, it, a person that's, why, why can't people stop talking? It's like, dude, you're, you're talking way too much, way too long, and way too much about yourself. Why? Because they're trying to impress you with their accomplishments. And let me tell you what I did last week and who I was with, and they're a name dropper and all those different, they're just talking to try to gain approval. Or a person, and this is a huge trap for teenagers, a person who is flirtatious or will even give sexual favors to a person in order to keep them and gain their approval. A teenage girl in our culture so often is so flirtatious because she's trying to gain the approval of a young man. Do you love me? Do you notice me? Do you think I'm valuable? Do you think I'm significant? Do you think I'm beautiful? Well, yes, I do, but only if you do. Okay, I'll do that. That's a snare. The fear of man brings a snare. And normally that's happening in a young lady's heart because she's not feeling she's getting approved from her father. And so she goes on a search looking for another man to give approval. And there will be a hundred guys lined up to give you their approval if you meet certain sexual favors that they would require. It's a trap. And it means that you are an approval addict. And so... You fear exposure. What you're doing is you're putting on a mask. You're pretending to be somebody you're not so that you won't be exposed as a person that has need or has uh, um, areas of sin in their life. And not only exposure, but rejection. So this is the flip side. An approval addict fears ridicule or rejection. And it would turn you into an extreme introvert if you're not careful. So an extreme introvert is this. He says... I can't live with disapproval. 
so I will do anything to avoid it. And so the contrary of being overly talkative is never talking at all. You avoid people. You're recluse. You never go out. You never engage. You just kind of wall yourself in for fear that you would be rejected or hurt by somebody that wouldn't approve of you. Are you easily embarrassed? You, you stumble or you, you stutter or you don't say the right thing or you got a hair out of place and you're so embarrassed by that. You're so sensitive to your image. Maybe you fear rejection. Are you indecisive? You can't make a decision. You're at a fork in the road. If you do this, these people won't approve. But if I do this, these people won't approve. And so you're paralyzed by decision, indecision. You can't do anything because you're so concerned and so consumed with what everybody else thinks. That's why if you want to be a leader, you have to conquer the fear of man. Leaders make decisions. And leaders cannot be concerned with what everybody else is going to think about their decision. Are you indecisive? Here's another one. Are you clingy? So here's the situation. Here's a person that so has such a fear of man, but they finally find somebody that gives them approval. Man, we love you just the way you are. We give you attention. We like hanging out with you. You're great. But then that person is so insecure and so clingy, they end up attaching themselves to this person that approves of them like a leech and begins to drain the life out of the one person that gives them approval. And they end up cannibalizing the relationship. And all of a sudden, this person now disapproves of your leeching attitude. You destroy it. Are you clingy? And then are you self-deprecating? You know what I mean by that? You get in a group and you just start cutting yourself down. I'm so stupid. I'm so invaluable. I can't do anything right. Eeyore. <laughs> and what you're doing is you're fishing for somebody that would say, would somebody please tell me I'm wrong? You're fishing for a compliment. Because you can't stand to live without rejection. You just kind of reject yourself hoping other people would disagree. You're an approval addict. And so an approval addict is enslaved or ensnared by fear. Here's the second thing. Approval addicts are snared by the controlling expectations of others. An approval addict is controlled by, uh, is, is snared by the controlling expectations of others. A few years ago when we first started the church, we would have what we call party with the pastor at our house. And back in the day when we first started the church, we lived out in Buchanan, Michigan. It was a wooded area. And um, um, there were these varmints that would show up I'm from Oklahoma. We have animals, wild animals, varmints that would show up and, uh, and take things. And so from time to time, we'd have to set a trap for a raccoon or a possum or something like that. And so this, um, there was this Saturday night where I set a trap and we got up the next morning. You know how Sunday mornings are if you have a lot of kids. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you're throwing Bibles in the minivan, throwing kids in the minivan, you're just trying to make it to church on time. That was kind of our scenario. So while we're doing this on Sunday morning to come to church, I remembered, oh, I set that trap, and I looked around the corner, and sure enough, there was a, a possum that had been trapped, but I didn't have time to deal with him right now, so we went to church. We came back that afternoon, 
And um, I had forgotten that we were having a party with the pastor that night at our house. And so I, I, about 30 minutes before the party was supposed to happen with new people coming to Harvest to meet the pastor and his family for the very first time to see whether or not they would want to be a part of a church with a pastor like this. And, and I'm like, oh, I got to go out there and get rid of the possum. And so I went out there and I, I picked up the cage and I turned around and the first person drove into the driveway to attend the party. And it was a very nice lady who's still in our church. She got out of her car and, and she saw the possum and she said, what are you going to do with that? And I realized that she had in two seconds formed an emotional bond <laughs> with the possum. And what I was going to do with the possum involved blood. So I thought, well, I can't do that anymore because it's party with the pastor, right? So I'm just, we're just going to put him right over here and deal with him later. And so we went in the house and started entertaining some other guests until the Corhorn family showed up. Okay, so their youngest daughter is Grace. Grace was five years old at the time, and Grace has an emotional bond with any living creature. And so she doesn't go in the house. She sees the creature over there in the cage, and she's drawn to the, the possum and leans down and thinks it would be a good idea to scratch the ear of the possum. And so she sticks her finger in the cage, and the possum is not appreciating the finger in the cage and grabs hold with his mouth of little Grace's finger and bites her finger. Welcome to Party with the Pastor. I'm Pastor Trent. Harvest Bible Chapel is a warm, loving community of people that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Would you like to be a part of us? No, you eat our children. So, I mean, that was kind of the scenario of what's going on, and I'm just like freaking out. You know, I, I say all that to say this. A caged animal is a dangerous animal. A person who is snared, who is controlled, he loses his freedom, and it makes you do things that are dangerous, all right? So you don't want to be ensnared, but the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a, a trap. You're trapped by what you think other people want you to do in the moment. There's two examples of this in Scripture, and I'll just kind of highlight them for you. One in the Old Testament, one in the New. Do you remember the guy named Abraham? In Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 2, he makes the same mistake, both of them motivated by a fear of man. Abraham had a wife named Sarah, and she was hot. I don't know what translation it is, but that was kind of what it was saying there. And it says she was one of the most beautiful women, and Abraham knew that she was really awesome. And so as, as he would meet new people, he realized that it would be a threat to his life if a foreign king wanted to marry his hot wife, and all he had to do was knock off Abraham in order to get that done. So Abraham turns to his hot wife and says, why don't you tell everybody I'm your brother? The, and the king is still going to take you and do whatever he wants to do with you, but I'll save my life in the process. What a wicked husband. Dude, lay down your life for your wife, right? Protect your wife. And he didn't do that because he was enslaved by the fear of man. He did it in chapter 12, did it in chapter 20, did it both times, and God spared him both times and got him out of the, the stupid decision that he was doing. There's a guy in the New Testament. We know this guy. You talk about the overly uh, talkative guy, the ex extreme extrovert. Who would that have been? Peter. Remember Peter? Remember how braggadocious he was about his love for Jesus? I'll never deny you. And then as soon as the little 12-year-old girl starts to say, aren't you one of those guys with Jesus? Nope. No, I think you are. I am not. Yeah, I think you are. And he cussed at her. So I'm not. And what did Peter do? Because he was enslaved by the expectations of a little 12-year-old girl. 
He didn't want to identify he was with Christ. How often have you done that? You have, you, you have disassociated yourself with Jesus Christ. You've refused to identify yourself with Christ. You've refused to acknowledge Jesus is Lord. He means more to me than you, and I'm going to do the right thing. And so even Peter can be enslaved, and we have as well. Here's another thing. The approval addicts trust people to supply what only God can provide. Do you see the word trust here in verse 25? Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The word trust means to be so persuaded that you rely upon it. So you will either be persuaded that people can provide what you need, or you will be so persuaded that God can provide what you need, and whichever one you choose is what you will rely on. In Isaiah chapter 51, God lets us know He is a trustworthy God. He says, I am He who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? And the son of man who's made like grass. Grass dies. It's just there to look pretty and then you cut it down. And that's all you really get when you trust in man. God says, I can provide real comfort. So my question to you today is, what kind of hurt did you bring in here today that you need God to comfort? Have you taken that hurt to a spouse, to a friend, to a counselor, to a man and received limited amounts of comfort when God invites you to come and bring all of that to him and says, trust me, I'm the only one who can provide what you need. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 says this, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So what can man do to you? Man can reward you. Man can pay you. Man can compliment you. Man can intimidate you. Man can fire you. Man can imprison you. But the Lord says, I am your helper in the midst of all of that. Put your confidence in him, not in what someone else can provide for you. And then approval addicts never feel safe. Do you see it there in verse 25? But he who trusts in the Lord will be safe. Well, what about people who trust in man? Yeah, they're not going to feel very safe. You know what they're going to do? They're always going to feel like people are a threat, a threat to their happiness, a threat to their security, a threat to their significance. But if you trust in the Lord, you get all of that from Him. Do you feel safe? In a few weeks, school's going to start back, and students are going to walk into a brand new room with a brand new group of people that are anonymous. And in that moment, your addiction to approval is going to be tested. If in that moment, you feel less than safe, less than secure, and you're thinking, what am I going to have to do to get the approval of people around me? What am I going to have to wear? What am I going to have to say? How am I going to have to perform? It's a symptom that you're approval addict. But if you can walk into a room 
and understand God is my security. I'm going to live for the approval of God. Then you can feel safe in, in an environment that may be the most threatening of all. Here's the last thing. My approval drive can be altered. This is good news. This is good news. No matter what kind of an addiction you have, it can change. The direction or the source from which you are trying to gain approval can change. If you, like me, are a recovering approval addict, you can change course. I want you to notice this verse in the New Testament, Galatians 1.10. Am I now seeking the approval of man? Just stop right there. Put a question mark on the end of it. Yes or no? Are you seeking the approval of man? We've learned that's a truth intention. So yes, seek the approval of your parents, the governing authorities, the watching world to some degree. But if you are so consumed with getting the approval of another human being, you will never feel safe. You'll never feel secure. Or here's the other option. You can seek the approval of God. Am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? If I were trying to please man, I would not, I could not be a servant of Christ. Here's the good news. It's actually bad news and good news. Can I, can I lay it on heavy right now? Can you handle this? God does not approve of you. I don't care if you're the most religious, good, moral, outstanding person. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how wonderful your family is. I don't care how great a husband you are. God does not approve because you're not perfect. There are areas of disapproval in our life. Here's the gospel. There's one person that lived a life that God's approved of. It was his son, Jesus. And only those who find their approval in Christ are approved ultimately by God the Father. And so we're going to unpack how the gospel dismantles our approval addiction in this series. Are you trying to please man? Or are you trying to please God? Do you remember the question that we asked at the beginning? What would people think? Well, here's how you recover from an approval addiction you replace that question with this question. What would God think? What would God think about the way I'm handling my money, about the way I'm spending my money, about the way that I'm treating my spouse, about the way that I'm performing in school? What would God think? If you can get to that point, you can break the addiction to the fear of man. And so I'm inviting you in to the treatment center. And we're going to go after this today. I hope this week, instead of asking what will people think, you'll ask, what does God think? Well, thanks for joining us today for Resonate. And be sure to join us again at this same time next week as we open God's Word and find some first steps that we can take to overcome our approval addiction. We'll hear the first part of a message by Pastor Trent titled, Hacking People-Pleasing to Pieces. Well, I'd like to invite you to join us this week at one of our weekly worship services at Harvest Granger, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. 
We're located on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. To find more information, visit harvestgranger.org. Well, we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue in this series titled Approval Addicts. And it's our prayer that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.